Welcome everyone to the Solutions Brewing Podcast. I'm Brandon Pipa. I'm joined as always by Stephen Salk and Robert Kalchuk. And today we're going to be talking about some new beer labeling requirements that have come to our wonderful home province of Alberta. I know, a riveting um, topic as uh, everyone on the podcast just went, what? They're going to talk about this today? <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little different. We do do sometimes some serious stuff. Uh, this actually just got released to us, <clears throat> pardon me, today. As really, it was really more of a reminder. Yeah, I think That's... I think it actually came out like um like a month or two ago. They said, "Hey, this is what the requirements are going to be." And like any good person, we ignored them completely because it's not per- it wasn't relevant to us at the moment. But uh, yeah, I sent it out this morning, and we've been going over it, which is. That's right. So in November, they sent the original thing saying, hey, this is what's coming down the line from the feds. So these are actually federal requirements, not provincial requirements. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, uh, today they sent another one saying, hey, you're going to have to do this is what the definitions are going to be. They're technically already in effect, but they're not actually going to be enforced until December 14th of this year, 2022. Um, they are things that are if you have anything written on it, such as the ingredients, uh, you have to have them in French and English. What? Us being a bilingual country actually have the ingredients in two languages? Outrageous. Right. It is strange for Alberta, but it's probably the right thing to do. Right. And if you're going to do allergy things, like say if you're going to say contains barley, you also have to have that in French and English. Um. Uh, the definitions of what you can they call them common names for beers so what that is is that's defined by the percentage of alcohol of the of the product so if a beer is uh say 5.6 to i think it says 8.5 8.5 that's considered strong beer so if it's 8.6 or plus it's considered extra strong beer uh, if you have something that's, uh, what is it? So, so strong beer was 5.5. What does that go down to? Uh, 2.5. 4.1. Is considered a light beer? Uh, no, so. No, no, yeah. That's the, yeah, so beer goes from 5.5 to 4.1. From 4.0 to 2.6 is light beer. Right. And then anything below that is extra light beer. Which. Up to 0.5. Then it's not alcoholic. <laughs> I was going to say, at well, that point, like, isn't like. Extra light beer, basically kombucha or something like that? Or would kombucha fall within that range? Well, I think kombucha has like a different standard. They don't necessarily measure the that I, level of fermentation I, I to think it. They, right? I think they have to measure it, and I think they have to be below 0.5. Not for kombucha. I thought kombucha could go up to like a percent or two. Uh, and it was actually like good to have it in it because it was good for recoveries and that sort of thing. It was a whole workout thing. It's like, instead of drinking, like, water or electrolytes after a workout, instead, you should drink kombucha. I meant in terms of the percentage, because I think kids, anybody can buy kombucha. There's, you don't you don't get ID to buy kombucha. <laughs> right. <clears throat> but anyway, so I don't know about it, so I won't talk about it. <laughs> that's true. It's a weird digression for us to go into a topic we know absolutely nothing yeah, about. Yeah, weird. literally zero. <laughs> Anyway, back to the beer standards, something we do know something about. So one of the interesting things they did is they actually, because there used to be the beer terms, and then they had separate standards for like ale, stout, porter, like there was different like definitions in there. 
and that's all gone now. Like, that's just completely yeah. out the window. Like, you can still put it on your label. Like, for instance, the Solutions uh, Brewing uh, Dark Humor is listed as a stout, but now you have to say beer and, like, you can use stout as a descriptive word, but it can't be the only word describing that as a beer, which is interesting. That's right. So Yeah, so it's going to have to say... Uh, like stout beer. Four, stout is 4.4, so we can say 4.4 beer slash beer. Yeah. <laughs> for the French part, but yes. Yes, and then the stout is optional. We technically we don't even have to put that anymore. It will stay there so people will know what it is. But. Yeah. But yeah, it's kind of a just an interesting thing. And I, I was trying to remember, because we were talking to one of the like just on the the standards here uh with the you know 8.6 and above being extra strong beer because we were talking to i think was it grain bin brewing i think it was them uh the gp yeah the gp guys because we were actually talking about strong beers with them uh he actually wanted to get his distilling license so he could actually uh get higher percentages because as uh, like a standard uh, license holder, you can only get to a certain limit of uh, alcohol percentage in your beer before it's actually considered spirit. And he wanted to do a little experimenting uh, to get above that thing. But I don't, like, I can't remember. Did the extra strong beer term exist before? It, it did. But I can't remember what the percentage yeah. is. Right now it just says 8.6 plus. Yeah. There's also a tax difference on uh, above eight percent, wasn't it? That's there's a lot of seven seven point nine or six point nine percent beers out there. Seven point five, I believe, is the... yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of like seven point twos and seven point threes. Yeah, because I remember that part of the conversation as well, because your your uh, excise tax or one of those taxes significantly increases that that just across that barrier. <laughs> yes, because they get taxed at the spirits level instead of the beer level right which is yeah. very different hmm. yeah that's interesting yeah and also there's uh you know how you have like on okay so beer is considered a food product and if you go to the grocery store and buy food and you flip the package over on the back you have nutrition information usually right Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> now you don't have to have that on beer packaging unless you're making a claim. And that, <laughs> like, if you're making a claim such as low calorie beer, something like that, right? If you say it's a low calorie beer, now you have to now you have to label what it is. You have to say five grams or five grams of carbs per or whatever calories per whatever, right? If you're making a claim like that, then you have to put the appropriate information on the label to support it interesting so if you literally just say it's a beer then no requirements whatsoever but if you're like yeah like this is a low calorie or this is a maybe like a low alcohol or something like that like you would have to put that on i don't know if you have if it's low alcohol i mean you're already writing the percentage on it but so not if it's low alcohol but if it's non-alcoholic then you you lose your beer exemption and you have to go to put in the food label on there. So if you're at that point of, or point yeah less than point five, 
yeah, 0.5 or less. Yeah. Then you've you've got to put the the nutrition table on there, and this makes sense, right? If you're gonna make a claim, if you're gonna try to make your beer uh, healthy in some way, it makes sense that you provide some kind of evidence for that, um, so that people can know just how not healthy it still is, or like. I was going to say that's definitely not something that uh, solutions or a current crop of solutions brewing beers would do because our beers are quite malty and delicious and are full of sugar. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's a fantastic product that everybody uh, who's 18 and older should buy and consume. But um, like, I'm just (laughs) it's 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 not a diet beer. Like, no, (laughs) it's funny because we're not going to say. We're not going to say, "Hey, you should drink this post workout." <laughs> you can if you want, but it's you not going to do want, anything but... for your for your workout. No, we're not we're not claiming any additional health benefits or recovery benefits out yeah. of it. Because I, I was just looking at like our our free program, the Brew Target, gives an approximate estimation on sugar levels, and uh, yeah, we're not we're not good for uh, <laughs> for for if you're trying to lose weight. Um, yeah, we. No, but oh, we're for good cal- for the sugar for calories. Though, right? Yeah, it tells you how many calories per of like twelve ounces, which is you know a standard three fifty five mil can. Yeah, we're we're yeah. we're not on the healthy spectrum at all. <laughs> we're on the delicious spectrum. That's right. Yeah, we're the refreshing spectrum. We're we're definitely on there. Actually, that's right. Refreshingly and delicious. Yeah, we're here to solve thirst problems. I'm just looking at some of my recipes now because I'm curious and. One of them is like, oh, it's, it's, I brewed it once. It didn't work out too well. It was called a Lupurus Brun. It was a, a Belgian style beer that had a Belgian candy syrup in it. Uh, it was the, like, one can of that would have been the equivalent of, like, drinking two cans of pop. Delicious, so, but it was interesting. So, what's interesting about that? is that there's also a new definition for beer as part of this, which is if you're going to ferment a malted beverage, it has to have, the finished product has to have less than, uh, has to have 4% or less of unfermented sugars Hmm. left behind. So potentially now what this means is, and this is going to, I mean, this is not an issue for us, but this is, you could totally picture how some of these are not even considered beers anymore. And the first one that comes to mind is at Outcast. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because they make these slushy sours. Oh, yeah. Which right now are considered beers. But there is so much fruit packed into these that that there's a lot of unfermented sugar in there that it will not be considered a beer anymore. It'll probably get classified as a ready-to-drink, like an RTD. Yeah. Huh. On. Well, That'll happen for Rattlers and stuff too, right? That will happen for those too yeah. because there's a lot of things. So there's also a lot of breweries that I, I like to add a lot of lactose. Lactose is an unfermentable sugar. Yeah. Adds that silky quality to beers. and It gives a little silky quality, a little mouthfeel, and, and some sweetness. But if you end up testing these beers and you end up with more than 4% residual sugar, it won't be considered a beer anymore. So that's actually the interesting question. Uh, will like will a brewery have to like kind of defend this? Like, would they have to take a sample of their beer and send it off to get it like analyzed to make sure that it falls within that four percent? If, if AGLC requests a sample or proof of this, you have to provide it. Ooh, that's interesting. 
which means you would have to send product off to get analyzed. Which is not cheap. Or I would, I would assume it's not cheap. I don't think it's that bad, but... Um, I mean, you still have to do it. <laughs> you, you wouldn't have a choice. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Because... Yeah, because like putting like putting in sugar in the beginning of your brew, like if you had like if you're part of a mashing or the steeping part, uh, like putting in grains there, or even like post boil sugars, like uh, if you put in like again, like I mentioned uh, Belgian syrups, but if you put in like for a cream ale, you usually put in like a corn sugar or something like that, or a simple sugar. As long as that's consumed, you're still fine. But if you like have an unnaturally sweet beer. Or a big fruit edition beer that might be not beer anymore. Correct. Huh. Ooh, that's really interesting. There's a, a I won't name the brewery, but a brewery that does a uh, a blue raspberry sour. Uh, that's it's a beer, like it, it's a strong beer technically, but I won. It's very sweet, like it's really really sweet. I. I wonder if that would actually qualify anymore or not. I don't think it. Might not, I don't man. think it would. Which isn't to say that these products can't be sold. No, just be have to be marketed and labeled differently. Right? Yeah. Yes. Huh. But I wonder if it'll impact their tax regime at all. Or that's not really explained here, is it? That's no. I don't know. I don't know what that is. If they're classified as like RTDs, so RTD means ready to drink. Typically, those are for. Think of them as like seltzers or those pre-mixed vodka drinks or rum drinks or whatever. Um, so you might get they might get classified as that, which get, do get taxed differently. Very interesting. Yeah. Actually, and then I was going to say, just scrolling down on this thing here, uh, the flavoring uh, stuff is new as well. So it says here like. Under the new beer standard, flavoring preparations are now allowed, but do trigger an additional requirement for a mandatory declaration on the label. So that yes, you have to say that. It's so yeah, so if you say beer with blueberries or a blueberry something like that, you have to actually put that on the label specifically. Which yep, in both English and in French. both English and French. So that is yeah, will it be in the ingredient list or it'll be part of the name of the beer or something like that, right? But yeah. Hmm. So now the trick is to make, like in this case, uh, I think the example they use is a blueberry flavored beer. Mm -hmm. To try to get a blueberry flavored beer without necessarily using a blueberry edition, there's a, a hop challenge. Well, we well actually, so Rob's already done this uh, with a grapefruit ale. Yes, yes, yeah, but not blueberries. But not, oh, they're not they're not blueberries. <laughs> blueberry is the challenge. <laughs> blueberry is okay. Blueberry is the challenge. Maybe if you use like some old world hop or not old world hops, I was thinking uh, new world like New Zealand hops. They have a lot of tropical fruit flavors and berry flavors. Sort yeah, of thing. I think you'd have to basically deconstruct the blueberry and, and rebuild the flavor profile of malts and <laughs> esoteric hops. It might be possible, but that would be the thing because it'd be it'd like it'd be like this is a grapefruit ale, and they'd be like, "Where's the grapefruit?" And it's like, "Oh, it's it's not in there, but it is." Uh, Ah, uh -huh. yeah. Only four ingredients. Only four ingredients. Yeah. Well, I mean, basically, what it comes down to is you're going to have to do fruit additions prior to fermentation, so that the yeast will eat up those sugars. Mm -hmm. Yes. As opposed yes, to after. For sure. you, so you're not doing you're not fermenting and then flavoring. You're 
has to be part of the whole brewing process as opposed to be flavoring. So, okay. So with that, if you have your fruit and primary and the sugars get consumed, that doesn't count as a flavoring preparation. That yeah, still counts no, as a beer. No, exactly. It's, it's about, yeah. it's about that residual sugar. So that'd be interesting. I'm just thinking for our future dark ritual beer, because the fruit addition I do to that is in secondary. So, mo- like primary fermentation is done at that point. Uh, it's basically in conditioning, but the yeast is still active in there. So it'll, it might eat the you know the watermelon that's in there. Well, but if you're, you'd have to like measure it, the it, residual it, sugar and see what's left. That's, yes, when you make the beer for us that you owe us, we'll yeah. figure out how to measure residual sugar and we'll use that as our test case. Because what it might be is just literally like make the prime, like do the primary, uh, move it to secondary, and just like put on like have a hydrometer in there and see if the sugar level goes up at all as the as the sugar basically get comes out of the uh, the watermelon and is absorbed into the wort, uh, and then if that level dr- if that a specific gravity goes up and then goes down again as it's consumed. If it's consumed. Yeah, your sec- so your secondary ahead. is anaerobic, isn't it? Uh, it is anaerobic, but if there's still sugar in there, it'll eat it. It's like, it's so like it's when you bottle, like for instance, when you bottle condition, because you take your beer, you put it into the bottle, you put in like some sh- corn sugar or simple sugar, like just sugar, like, regular table sugar like that gets consumed even though it's in a sealed environment like it might be you know there might be that little bit of headspace but it's uh it'll still be consumed it'll just generate co2 and just won't be able to go anywhere well i mean the definition is clear like it'll it says four percent residual sugar or less is considered beer so actually yeah so actually well well i'll Again, when I make this beer for you guys, it's actually coming up in spring again. Watermelons are going to be back in season, but uh, we might... It's going to be a year before we get this beer. It's going to be by the time... Well, yeah, but now we can actually do a scientific experiment with this as well and actually see if that still counts and qualifies. Because if the specific gravity is still high at the end, because uh, I've got like a target in, brew target that's supposed to be for a goes, uh, goes up, goes down. But if it is higher than expected at the end then there's there that sugar is not being consumed right hmm. um yeah yeah man. so yeah it's kind of some interesting rules um definitely at least for the the three beers that we have available that the kiss amber ale the blonde ale and the stout this won't be a problem um, it'll just be more if we wanted to do, yeah, like your watermelon goza, right? Yeah. Um, and like, that's, that might be more of a, a question like coming into the new year when we actually do get our production space going and we start do making, you know, more than three beers. Uh, yeah, that might be a very interesting question, uh, whether or not we'll have to do some testing or make sure that our, uh, our processes are fairly tight that we actually do fall within these guidelines now. I'm just trying to read up a little bit on how to measure residual sugar. <laughs> I was going to say there's 
they're probably like, oh, you can use like a strip of something and dip it in and it'll tell you how much is left over. Uh, well, someone's trying to say using bricks and measure with a refractometer, but <clears throat> once something's fermented, you can't use a refractometer anymore. Yeah. Uh, and like I was, I was going to say like just hydrometer, like throw it in with the stuff or uh, wine thief it out, uh, measure it and just do a uh, measuring over many, many days. But there's got to be a way to do it. Oh, yeah. That'll be a quick and dirty. I mean, the the 4% is probably chosen as an easy differentiator. You're probably either, like, well above or well below it, depending on how your process <laughs> went. So. Hmm. But further research is required. Hmm. As always. So, yeah, I think... Well, I think those are the most important points on the uh, the new rules. But uh, again, to us, doesn't doesn't mean much. Uh, just means on our second production run here, we'll just have to update our label a little bit, which isn't too bad. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, good stuff. Mm -hmm. So it'll have more French. Yeah, I'll see if I can summon up the one quarter French I am and speak speak any of it. It's probably not, probably not yes, going to go. Those are the four words that need to be translated. <laughs> if anybody wants Great. to help us out with our translations and how to translate portions of our label uh, to French, how can they reach us, Rob? <laughs> oh, I was going to try and say it in French. My French isn't that good. <laughs> I, I was going to look up Google Translate really quick here. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, c'est pas problème. Oui. Parlez petit peu, petit peu français, c'est pas problème. No, anyway. Um, uh, no, they can reach us uh, on our website at solutionsbrewing.com. There is a contact us section there. Or you can email us directly, uh, no problems at solutionsbrewing.com. Or feel free to message us, follow us, tag us at Solutions Brewing Co., which is good for Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. And then we were just talking about this before the meeting. Uh, on our next production run, we're going to be taking off the Twitter handle on our uh, on our beers. So. Yes, we finally beat Steve. <laughs> no one's locked, sent us a, t uh, a tweet in, I don't know, like six months? Two years. Two years, yeah. So, <laughs> so to hell with it. <laughs> I don't even, I don't, I don't even think my, I have my Twitter anymore. I think I deleted it. Okay, sure. if we're rambling about Twitter, the episode must It be must over. be over. Rob, cue the music. <laughs> There goes, but I say it's time for Rob to cue the music. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <Goodbye>. <laughs> All right. Take care, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye.